I am on, right? I, uh, <clears throat> been debating on whether or not starting off the service in this manner, but we'll go ahead with it. I, uh, I, I know that there are, that wasn't the way, but sorry. <laughs> I, you know, this morning I know that there are people that are all the way across the spectrum uh, you know, today. I know that there are some people that are excited for the day, and I know that there are some people that are here and their thoughts have already gone to the Easter egg hunt that's going to happen with the children later on this afternoon or uh, the special meals that you might have in your oven. Uh, you know, and there's some people that are possibly hurting because of a lost loved one. Uh, we have two people in our midst right now this morning that. Uh, uh, that we need to pray for. Uh, Wanda Dover lost her mother um, Friday morning at about 1.30. Um, the uh, funeral, the viewing will be tomorrow evening and the service will be graveside Tuesday. And then yesterday at about 1, wasn't it, uh, that Glenda's stepfather passed away. Um, and Glenda and Jimmy will be leaving, uh, you know, after the service or tomorrow. Tomorrow for the uh, you know for the funeral, so I know that there's a mixed bag that's there, and I, I did something this morning that uh, I normally don't do, um, but I was in my office and I FaceTimed my father. Now a lot of y'all know that uh, you know that my dad uh, you know has been diagnosed with uh, you know with lung cancer, and he's been going through his chemo treatments and he's had some issues um, and he's been in the hospital twice since then and just today's Sunday so just Wednesday he got out of the hospital for the second time and uh, you know so I FaceTimed him and he went to sunrise service this morning because he was able to go in his car and he just simply stayed in the vehicle parked right next to the rest of the the chairs and he heard his preacher preach and then he went to breakfast and he said I have something that I want to tell you and he said I will uh, you know I might tell you whenever you come uh, you know to visit and my sister's like no you most probably can't wait that long and he's like well I most probably can't uh, you know well my dad loves to tell stories and he's really long-winded now since he's it's hard for him to breathe uh, you know so it takes him longer to get the story out so I won't take that long so finally, he looked at me and he said, I think God healed me because now I can take a deep breath and I have no pain. He says, I don't have my stamina back, but I can breathe deeply. And he says, it feels clean and good. So I'm praising God for a healed uh, you know, father or dad. Uh, you know. So... He asked me, he goes, uh, you know, he goes, John, he goes, what are you going to be preaching on this morning? I said, well, I don't know. He goes, don't you think you need to find out? I'm like, well, yes, I do. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I've had times and stuff, you know, where God has worked with me on messages and, and the messages that I, that I write down, you know, he gives me other things to say. But this one's been really weird. Uh, you know, because we're going through, uh, you know, John's seven I am statements about who Jesus Christ is. 
And this Sunday, we had planned for it to be, uh, you know, out of John chapter 11, verses 1 through 46, uh, you know, where it says that, you know, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, that makes sense, right? This is Resurrection Sunday, so we should be talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, he said, you know, so I'm like, okay, God, uh, you know, the one that you gave me last night, is that the one that I'm supposed to preach? He goes, yes. I said, the one that you gave me last week or a couple of weeks ago, is that the one that I'm supposed to preach? He said, yes. I said, wait a minute. you got to give me one or the other. I've been searching and I've really been wanting one or the other. So he hasn't given me one or the other. So here we go with both of them and I'll try to keep them separate or I'll try to blend them in together so that they actually make sense. Because I really truly believe that this is exactly what God has for us today. Because whenever we look at this, there are people in the passages of Scripture that will line up with where we are in our lives or where we have been in our lives. So we're going to look at this and we're still going to be in John chapter 11. And we will stay in the Gospel of John throughout this, but I'm going to take you to John chapter 11. I've already read verses 1 through 7, so what I would like for you to do is to continue on, and we're going to skip down all the way to verse, 16, yeah, to verse 17. All the way down to verse 17. And here we're going to find these words. I'm going to read it for you down to verse 27. So you can follow with me. So it says, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in, the, in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had came to, count, to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha heard when, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who, li who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into this world from God. So let me stop right here for a little bit because here is our first character that I really want us to take a look at. And I want us to understand some of the words that, that Martha tells us and what she says here. Martha gives us these words. She comes up to Jesus. Now, you have to picture this, and I need for you to do me a favor, okay? I know you can't do it, but please try to do this, okay? Let's think of this and read this as if we do not know the end of the story, 
Because Martha and Mary and all the people that was around on this day, they didn't know the end results. They didn't know that at the end of this that Lazarus was going to be raised from the grave. They didn't know that a few weeks later that Jesus Christ was going to be crucified and then he was going to be raised from the grave three days later. They didn't know this, but we do. So go with me because we don't know this right now. We're right here with Martha. And Martha and, his, and her sister Mary has experienced the death of their brother. How many of you have experienced death? How many of you had experienced sudden death from a sickness? Not very pleasant. I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but we have in this story here that Lazarus went from a well man to someone that died from the sickness in a very short period of time. Most probably within about two or three days from the time that Jesus actually got the message. Because it says that whenever Jesus got there, that he had been in the grave for four days. Now, there's a significance about being in the grave for four days. And I'll tell you that and try to jump back onto the passage of Scripture. Because in this time, they believed that the Spirit hovered around the body or stayed around the body for three days. So whenever it says that he was dead for four days, he was dead dead. Now, we also find in the other, further along in the passage of Scripture, they no longer call him Lazarus, but they call him the dead man. So he was dead, dead. So the spirit had already left, if the spirit even hovered around. We know that whenever we die, that our spirit goes, and our spirit's not going to hover around and try to bring us back to life. It's gone, right? Uh, you know, so, but that's their thought process. Okay, so you have that. So Martha and Mary is here, and, and, uh, you know, and they have experienced this traumatic death of their brother. They knew Jesus, and Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Remember, the first passage of Scripture told us that. They had been in Martha and Mary's. Jesus and his disciples had been in Martha and Mary and Lazarus' house before. The scripture talks to us and tells us that, remember, Martha got upset and went to Jesus and said, Hey, why am I doing all the household chores and Mary is here laying at your feet? She needs to be helping me with the chores. Why is that so significant? Because in those days, the women, that's what they did. So it was very unusual for Martha to be doing all the work and Mary not doing the work. But now we have that Martha is going to be the rule breaker and Mary is going to be the one that kind of sets with the rules because in those days, for 30 days, you had to mourn the loss of someone for 30 days. So Mary and Martha was supposed to stay in the house mourning the loss of their brother for 30 days. And we find that Martha says, oh no, I'm not going to go do that. I'm going to go and I'm going to meet Jesus where he is. So Martha goes out there. So you see where Martha is? Martha's all confused. Are y'all confused yet? Good. Martha's, you know, Martha's, you know, she's like, oh my goodness, Jesus is finally coming. I say finally coming because what was Jesus' remark whenever he got the message? Jesus' remark whenever he got the message was, is this sickness will not end in death. So the messenger takes this message back to Mary and Martha and says, oh, Jesus said that this sickness isn't going to end in death. 
So Martha and Mary throughout this whole time is looking through the window and they're helping their brother and they're saying, well, Jesus said it's not going to end in death. Jesus, you got to come on. Uh, you know, why in the world did Jesus not just simply say, okay, Lazarus, you're healed. He did it with, you know, for the uh, Romans, you know, uh, you know, his daughter, right? He just simply spoke it. He could have done it then, but no, Jesus didn't do that. Martha and them, they're sitting here and they're saying, okay, come on now. Come on, Jesus, you got to come. And he doesn't show up. And then all of a sudden, he's been in the grave for four days and he shows up. How many of us has been toiling in our lives and we've been asking for Jesus to show up? Jesus, show up. Jesus, I need you. God, I need your help. And he doesn't show up. Oh, y'all dead. Come on. Man, we have all cried out to God and we have all asked Him to do things for us. And we're sitting here waiting for it to happen and it doesn't happen. And then the next thing we know, Jesus shows up. And what do we do? We go running to Him and say, if you would have been here five days ago, I wouldn't have been through all this. Come on. God, if you would have been here on time, Lazarus would, have been, would still be alive. God, if you would have been here on time, I wouldn't have had to go through this struggle. God, if you would have came into my life and answered the prayer the way that I wanted you to, I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have had to turn to the alcohol. I wouldn't have had to turn to the drugs. Come on. Man, Lazarus is, you know, Martha is just being honest. But I want us to see this next step in this next phase that she says. Whew. She goes, but, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Whew, how many of us has ever said that? How many of us has ever said the Christian thing? How's your life going today? Oh, it's going good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, but I'm sitting here suffering. My brother just died. There are so many times that we answer well the way that we're supposed to answer because we're Christians and we don't face the fact that we're hurting because God didn't do what we wanted him to do. He didn't do what we asked him to do. There are people across this world that are living their lives saying, Jesus has never showed up in my life. He has never done a thing for me. So why am I going to believe in him? Whoa, wait a minute. Let's go look at Thomas. Doubting Thomas in John chapter 20. Thomas says, I will not believe unless I put my hands into his scars in his hands and his side. I will not believe. There are people in this world and in this church that's still waiting for Jesus Christ to show up in their life because they only want Him to show up in the manner that they think He can. Whew. Man. Oh, man. God has something for us because I know that there are people here today that are asking Jesus to show up. I know that there are people today that are struggling with things in their life. And they're saying, Jesus, I have asked you to take this from me. And I'm still battling with it. 
Jesus, I have asked for your help in this, and I'm still struggling through it. Jesus, I have asked you to show up in my life, and I haven't seen you yet. We come to church, and we sit in the pews, and we say what we're supposed to say. We say the things that makes everyone else think that we're all okay. Whenever inside, we have so much doubt that we cannot communicate with God, and we cannot earnestly hear the words that He has for us. Martha, Martha is like some of us, and we're caught in the past of all of our failures. We're caught in the past of all of our struggles that we didn't see Jesus show up. There's some that are here that is struggling because there's been sexual abuse in their life, and they're asked the question, Jesus, how did you allow this to happen? There's disappointment in our lives, and we're like, Jesus, how did you allow this to happen? There's people in this world that look at the tragedy, and they say, if God is such of a loving God, then how did he allow this to happen? I think y'all were still searching for something. Thomas... Thomas followed Jesus for three years. Thomas believed in Jesus. Thomas saw his miracles. Thomas saw Jesus work in other people's lives. Thomas saw him make the lame walk, the blind to see, the deaf and the dumb to hear and to speak. He saw him cast out demons. He saw him walk on water. He saw him feed 5,000. He saw Jesus do all of these things. He heard Jesus' sermon on the mountain. He heard and he saw all of these things. But he was still looking for proof in his life whenever he said, I will not believe until I see this. What are you looking for in your life? What is the stipulation that you need to see for Jesus to be true in your life? Jesus, after all, he rose from the grave. Yeah, but I didn't see that. The scripture tells us that Thomas doubted that. And Jesus came in and showed him who he was. And he said, blessed are you because you believe now that you have seen. But bless those that do not see and still believe. Jesus Christ is real. He rose from the grave. He walked on this earth. He taught us what to, how to live. He suffered at the hands of Pontius Pilate and the Roman government. He was crucified on the cross. He died. He was buried, put in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb, but it didn't hold him. He came out, rolled the stone away. And he is alive at the right hand of God our Father. Right now, today, he is interceding for us right now, today, so that we can have a right relationship with God the Father. 
What more do we need? We're still looking for something in our lives. What are we looking for? Are you looking for proof? Look at all the other people's lives around you. You might be Mary. Whenever we go to John chapter 20 and we see in the first verse of John chapter 20, it says that Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and she sees that the stone is rolled away. And then we drop further down. I believe you go down into verse 11. I think if you go to verse 11, you'll find where she is standing there in front of the grave. And she has talked to the angels and a voice behind her says, Mary. And she turns around and she thinks that it's the gardener. So she asks the gardener, she says, gardener, where have you laid his body? Do you know where they took him? Where would you put him at? Just simply tell me so that I can go and I can properly prepare of his body. And then Jesus said, Mary. She recognized his voice. Do you remember this? She turns and she clings to him. And she hollers out, Rabboni, which is teacher. And then he tells her what? Don't hang on to me because I haven't been to my father. Go and tell the disciples what you've seen. So let's get a picture of this. Mary of Magdalene came because her Lord and Savior was in that tomb. She came to the graveside to properly prepare the body for its burial. Her comfort, all of her comfort was in the physical All of her comfort was in the Jesus that she knew while he was walking here on this earth. She didn't want to turn loose of her comfort. She had what she had. She knew Jesus Christ. This is the Mary that scholars believe that Jesus cast the seven demons out of her. This is the Mary that that followed Jesus from that day on. She saw him. She knew him. But she knew him as the worldly or the earthly Messiah. We also find that picture whenever we look at Thomas. Or not Thomas, but we look at, we look at Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus so that he could force Jesus' hand into going into battle with the Roman government. But Jesus, but Jesus didn't. He went to the cross instead. It's because the Jesus that they wanted, the Jesus that they knew was physical and was earthly. There are so many people in this world that's comfortable with where they are here on this earth. And they're comfortable with where they are here on this earth because they always say, if I can just get this in line, then everything's going to be okay. If I can make this much money, then everything's going to be okay. If I can get this job or I can have this status or if I can get this house or if I can have this car, everything's going to be okay. If I can get my son saved, then all the people in my family is going to be saved and I'm going to be okay. 
But what happens? Most of you has been, if you've been doing that, if that's where you are, most of you has been doing that for at least 10 years. You get there, and then something moves. And then you have to go find something else. You get there, and then something moves. Heaven forbid we ever breathe once we get to that perfect place in our lives. We get comfortable. We're here. We're comfortable. Okay, I'm not comfortable anymore. And, every, and here we are. We're in this rat race. We're comfortable because we're doing it. We're uncomfortable whenever we have to allow God to be God and allow Him to rule our lives and do with it whatever He wants it to be done. We're out of control. And we don't like it. Okay, so we've talked about Martha. We've talked about Mary. We've talked about Thomas. We brought in Judas in there for a little bit. I forgot about him. We brought in Judas there for a little bit. So now we're going to go in and we're going to look at Peter. Because I believe there's a lot of us that are right here where Peter is. Because Peter, let's face this, okay, whenever we see Peter in chapter 20, Peter you know, makes this uh, you know, proclamation, he, or here he is, he runs to the tomb. Remember him? Him and John run to the tomb. John's younger, faster, gets there before he does. Peter goes in and he looks around. He sees the grave clothes. He sees the grave cloth that was on the face that was folded up and placed over on the other side. By the way, you do realize that that's a symbol from Jesus saying that it's not finished yet. He sees this. And it says that John came in and saw and believed. Peter left with John. And then we pick up in chapter 21, beginning with verse 7, John goes fishing. Then we get into verse 15, and we see John, or we see Peter. It's Peter and them goes fishing. And then in 15, we see that Peter is on the beach with Jesus. And this is where Jesus asked him, do you love me? Three times. You remember that? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times, right? Jesus was saying to Peter, I forgive you for all of those times. Peter was at the point in his life that he had promised God so many things. He's the first one that jumped up and said, you are the Messiah. He's the one that stood up and said, if it's to die, then we'll die with you. And then Peter denies him three times. How many times have we told God, I'm going to do this, but we don't do it? How many times have we been working and doing God's work, but then we stop because we don't see the progress that we want to see? We turn around and we go the other way. We are sitting here in this life of failures. We look back at our past. We look forward to where we're going. And where we're at right now is shallow and empty because we haven't accomplished what we wanted to in the past. And we don't see how we're going to accomplish the things in the future. It's empty. It's shallow. We don't know where to go. Jesus comes to him and he says, I love you even though you have failed me. I love you. Even though you denied me three times, I have a task for you. I don't care if you have failed. Upon you and upon this is my house going to be built. Are you confused on the people? 
Martha, Martha is struggling with the Jesus that didn't show up on time. Mary is struggling because the Jesus of, of now is not the Jesus that she had. She no longer has the physical. Thomas, Thomas lived with Jesus. But he didn't turn out to be the Jesus that Thomas thought he was going to be. Or the Jesus that Thomas wanted him to be. Jesus says, I need proof that you are who you are. Jesus showed up after Thomas made that statement. And he showed him who he was. There's still some more passages of scripture for us. Back in the 11th, the 11th chapter. Because whenever we go in and we look further on into this, we run into the next character and we run into Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. <laughs> Every one of us here is Lazarus or has been Lazarus at one point in time in our lives. Because we're all dead. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. There is not one of us that can ever say that we have lived this life sinless. We have to have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior to be able to be saved. So we find this in here. Jesus told Martha that I am the resurrection and the life, right? This is after she said, made the comment that yes, I know that he will rise in the future when everybody else is raised on that last day. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm the resurrection and the life. You see this? I'm the resurrection and the life. And then Jesus goes and uh, you know, we skip along, and, and Mary comes out and meets Jesus, and, and then Jesus asks Mary, where's, you know, where's the tomb? Where's, where's Lazarus uh, you know, buried at? And they take him to the tomb. Oh, man, Martha shows up again. Uh, of course, she's with them. Okay, so we come along, and Martha's there with them, and Jesus says, roll back the tomb or roll back the stone. Whoa, wait a minute. Martha protest. Martha protest. Wait a minute, didn't she just say that she believed? Remember, she believes in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. She believes that He is the, you know, the, the I'm going to have to read this to make sure that, that y'all get it right. Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes. Roll back the stone. Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 you can't do that. He's been in there for four days. He's going to smell bad. If you go to the King James, I'll give you, the King James has this wonderful terminology for us. It says, it stinketh. 
if you roll it back, it stinketh. Yes, it stinketh. Uh, you know, dead life stinks. A life without Jesus Christ as its Lord and Savior is dead and it stinks. Only Jesus can make it fresh and new again. And that is exactly what Jesus does here. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And you find out what happens. Lazarus comes hopping forth. Woo-hoo! I don't know about you, but the scripture says that his hands and his feet were bound, right? Uh, you know, so either he walked with little bitty steps or he hopped. I don't care how he got out of the tomb, but he got out of the tomb. Amen? Because Jesus Christ is the resurrection of today as well as the resurrection of tomorrow. We live in this resurrected life as soon as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, what does that mean for you? It means that we get to live forever. What else does that mean for you? Well, you know, I like to eat. So food's a really good way to go about this. So let's say that we go to Texas Longhorn, and like any uh, you know, nice husband, I let my wife pick out the steak from that window. Y'all know that, that, you know, that Texas Longhorn, you got that window? She picks out that steak. And then we order that steak, and we sit down, and we eat that nice steak. It's really good, right? A sinner can do the same thing, right? A sinner can go to that window. A sinner can, can pick out that steak. They can go. They can eat that wonderful steak. They, you know, they taste the seasoning in it. Uh, you know, it tastes good. But you know what? As Christians, we know who provided it. We know who made it. We know who created it because he lives within our lives. So we get to have this life on this earth a little bit better than everybody else does because we know who has provided it for us. We know that I can only have life and have life abundantly through Jesus Christ. Lazarus shows us this. Lazarus doesn't show us that resurrection is something that's to come. Lazarus shows us that resurrection is something that is here today. So each and every one of us, if you're lost and dying to sin, today is your resurrection day. Not in the future to come, but today. Today you can live this life of abundance. All you have to do is what? Believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ask for forgiveness of your sins and allow Him to come into your heart and then you can live with Him forever and ever. But the thing about it is, is that if you truly believe, if you truly, truly, truly believe, then truly belief or true belief leads to obedience, leads to a life that we follow the words of God. It doesn't lead to an empty life where we say, Oh, I asked for forgiveness of my sins. Now I can sit back and relax. Whew. It's a life of obedience. It's a life that we're called to. Jesus then looks at the crowd and he says, go let him loose and let him go. And verse 45 says that many believed on that day. See, 
you might be Martha. And there might be things that you have prayed for in your life that Jesus, according to you, has never shown up. You might be Thomas, that you're looking for proof of Jesus Christ. You might be Peter, that there's been failure after failure after failure in your life. Jesus says, I love you. You might be Mary. You might be living this life and you might have maybe one or two things that if you get that straightened out, man, life's going to be really good. I'm, I'm going to have it made. I'm going to be on easy street. All I have to do is just get this straightened out or, or get this straightened out. Martha shows us here that what you have to do is trust that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. The resurrection that's offered, it's offered to everyone. There's absolutely nothing that you can do that you would not be able to be, to be forgiven for your sins. Absolutely nothing. So wherever you are, Martha, Mary, Peter, James, or Thomas, wherever you are, today is your day of resurrection. It's not in the future. There will be one in the future, but you have to have the one today to have the one in the future. So as Robbie and the praise team comes, and everyone else stands, you know, I don't know where each one of you are but I know that everyone in here was in one of those places and I know that today today can be your resurrection day the day that you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart the day that you believe that he is the Messiah, the day that you stop hanging on to the worldly things, and the day that you start hanging on to Jesus Christ as your all in all, your everything. Today's that day. Every head bowed, every eye closed as they sing. I pray and I ask that you would make your way to the altar. Pray to God.
continue on in the passage of Scripture. And we find that Martha is the one that breaks the alabaster jar on Jesus' feet. And then wipes his feet with her tears and her hair. Prepares his body for burial. She did believe. She truly believes. She believes in that resurrection, not only of the day to come, but of that day, whenever she saw her brother come out of that grave. The Jesus that wasn't there to heal him from his sickness, all of that was gone away because he raised him from the grave. healed him. Jesus is who he says he is. You can trust him. You can believe on him. And he will never, ever fail you. He will never, ever leave you. The altar is only going to be open for a short period here. We're not lingering this morning. Is there anyone else that would like to step out or needs to step out? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the words that you have given to us. And yes, we thank you that you raised your son from the grave and that he is sitting at your right hand, that he is interceding for each and every one of us right now. We love you and we trust you.